Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 to 11. I've entitled it Praying Through. It's difficult to know at times when to speak. And it's equally difficult at times to know when to be silent. Oftentimes we speak when we should be silent. And oftentimes we're silent when we should be speaking. And the flesh and the devil no doubt would love to silence us all the time. But we can't escape the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we concluded with them last week in verse 6, Matthew 7 and 6. It's very sobering, solemn words. Where he said, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine. We're not to give the holy things to dogs that would rend them and would make sport of them. And we're not to give pearls to swine because pigs don't wear pearls and they don't know the value of pearls. We're called to exercise discernment and we're called to exercise judgment in every situation. And how do we exercise discernment and how do we exercise judgment and how do we know when to speak and how do we know when to be silent? I think there's a balancing judgment here which we need God's help in. As I've read through the various commentators, many of them say it's difficult to see the connection between verse 6 and 7 to 11. But I think there is a connection. And the connection is that if we have a praying heart, if we're praying before the Lord, the Lord will give us the discernment to know when to speak and to know when to be silent. To know when to speak, even though we might be ridiculed, even though the gospel might be derided. But it still needs to be heard. It needs, still needs to be spoken. And yet there's a time coming when we draw back and when we are silent and when we say nothing. And how do we know the difference in such times? Well, verse 7 to 11 gives us the answer. We must pray. And if we fail here, I'll tell you what we'll end up doing. We'll end up giving that which is holy to pigs. Let's not be silenced, but let's be spiritually discerned. And to be spiritually discerned, it necessitates a mindset, a heart given to prayer. And thus the Lord commanded his disciples to pray. But not only to pray, brethren and sisters, because we all can say a prayer in the morning and then forget about it the rest of the day, but to pray through. And that's what these verses are teaching us. Not only to pray, but to pray through. And if you and I are to be effective when we speak for the Lord, and you might only get one opportunity this week that lies ahead to speak for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to be effective in that one opportunity, then you have to have this mindset, this prayerful mindset, this habitual mindset of praying. That the Lord would give you the words from heaven and teach you and enable you uh, and give you grace in what you ought to say. So it's not just praying. We've thought about that already in chapter 6. But now in chapter 7, amidst all of the judgment, in chapter 7 it's all about judgment. And we'll look at that further in the weeks that lie ahead. But in the midst of the judgment, God has a praying people. Not wonderful. 
Even here and on along, God is a praying people. In Turkey, God has a praying people. In Syria, God is a praying people. In Russia, God is a praying people. In Ukraine, God is a praying people. And there's sweet consolation in that where God is a praying people, God can give answers and God can give wisdom and God can give discernment and he teaches us when to speak and when to be silent. It's not every time we ought to be speaking. There are some people believe that they have an automatic right to speak whenever they want, when they want. But no. But it's equally so. It's not all the time we ought to be silent. And how will we know? Well, we know when we're praying, and we're praying through. So let's look at verse 7 to 11, and we'll see how the Lord enables us to pray through. Let's look first of all at the activity of prayer. Prayer is not passive, prayer is active. And there are three verbs that are used to describe the activity of prayer in, these, in this text. They're synonyms. All put for prayer. They have the same meaning, but obviously different nuances. So Jesus said in verse 7, ask. Ask, it really is a command. We're to ask. It was Luther, I remember reading, where Luther said that we come to God as beggars. And we continue before God as beggars right throughout the journey. And we come as beggars empty handed. We have nothing to contribute. Nothing to give. We just come to receive. In chapter 6 verse 11 we thought... And one of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Give us. Give us our daily bread. And how are we to get that daily bread? We ask. How do you get the daily bread? You ask. Now the daily bread is just more than the bread that's on your table. The daily bread represents every daily need, every weekly need, every financial need, spiritual need physical need, emotional need, every need that you have in your family and your life at this time, it's all encapsulated in, in that lovely verse in Matthew 6, 11. And how do you get it? You ask. You ask. We're utterly dependent. We ask. I, I was looking at the word ask and some of the references in the Bible, and, uh, and I'm not going to ask you to turn them all up. Let me just reference some of them to you. In 1 Kings 3 and 5, we read where the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And you know God came and said to Solomon, Ask what I shall give thee. The Lord was to come to you today, and if the Lord was to say to you, Ask. Ask what I should give you. What would you say? Maybe on your list of priorities, wisdom would not be top of the priorities today. But the Lord doesn't say that you have to ask for wisdom. If we put it in the context of Matthew's Gospel and the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord says you have to ask for discernment. 
You have to ask for knowledge to know when to speak and when to be silent. You ask for all of those daily necessities along the journey of life. You ask. I always like to think of Anna Long as being a missionary-minded church. I believe it is. I hope the Lord will maintain it as such. And what are we to do in missionary work? Well, Psalm 2, verse 8, gives us the answer to that. It says, Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. We're to ask. We're to ask the Lord for Mongolia. We're to ask the Lord for Ukraine. We're to ask the Lord for far eastern Russia. We're to ask. We're to ask the Lord for the money dire road. We're to ask. We're to pray through. There's so many other things that the Lord tells us we're to ask for. I think of James 1 and 5. If any of you lack wisdom, that's all of us. There's none of us would dare to stand up and say, No, I've got an abundant supply. No, all of us will bow humbly before God today and say, We lack it. Well then, let him ask of God. We're asking. It's good to write out your petitions. It's good to have prayer lists. And we all have those prayer lists. But I find it very amazing that these are some of the things that God tells us to ask him for. As it were, this is the prayer list that God has written out for us. And if you want to know how do you get through to God in prayer, just pray back what God has written in his word. Ask God for the things that he tells you and I to ask him for. And he's pledged himself to give them to us. Ask in your own personal quiet times with the Lord. Be specific. Sometimes we pray so general, at the end of the week, you wouldn't know whether you got the answer to your prayers or not because they're all general prayers. And I'm not decrying that. I'm not decrying that at all. But we've also got to be specific. We're to ask. We're to ask not just in private, but we're to ask in public. We're glad of every opportunity that uh, Christians have here and on along to come along to the prayer meetings and to ask. There's no hierarchy of prayer and on alone. We don't say such and such has to pray or who and who has to pray before I pray. Young and old, male and female, we gather together just simply to come and to beg mercy of God and to ask. And I'm saying to you, dear believer, when was the last time you were in the prayer meeting begging mercy of God? When was the last time? When was the last time you've been praying through? We think of this land of ours and the dire state it's in. We look at Turkey, we look at Syria, we see villages smashed to smithereens. And whilst the villages are not smashed to smithereens in our own land, morally, spiritually, the land is. We should be here asking. Asking God. We should be here asking God for revival. For renewal. We used to have the old magazine in the church and was called the Revivalist. Let's not lose that burden asking God to revive his work. This is God's appointed means. This is the activity of prayer. <clears throat> we're, we're to ask. We're to seek. 
You always look for things that are of value. If you've lost something that's of value, you will look for it. You'll look for something that's of value. You know, if you lost a penny, I don't think too many of you have been looking for the penny. But if you lost a hundred pound note, I'll guarantee everybody, every one of you have been looking for that a hundred pound note. You look for the things that are of value for you. And there's so many things that are close to us and dear to us and precious to us that we have to seek the Lord for. And seeking is put in the Bible time and time again for praying. Praying through. In Daniel chapter 9 and 3 we read that Daniel said, I set my face unto the Lord my God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Seeking God in prayer. Seeking him. Seeking the things for the, that are really valuable to us. The things that we put a high value and price upon. Seeking the Lord for. Seeking the Lord for our family. There's nothing that we value more than our family. So privately, publicly, you should be seeking the Lord for the family. We say we're covenant people. We believe in God's covenant to not only us, but to our children and our children's children. Therefore, we should be praying, praying for them, seeking God for them. In chapter 6 of the Sermon on the Mount, 31 to 32, we read, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be closed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. So that's plain, isn't it? The world looks after the money. The world looks after the stuff. The world seeks the stuff. What should Christians be seeking for? Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And if you seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus has promised, all the other stuff will be added unto you. It's not that Jesus is saying, I'm going to hold it from you. Every one of us have an abundant supply today with an abundant supply. But Jesus is saying, seek my kingdom. Seek my glory. Seek the advancement of my kingdom. If you be risen with Christ, seek the things that are above. And how will we, we find them? How will you find that which is closest to you and dearest to you? Well, Hebrews 11 and 6 says, when you seek him diligently. When you seek him diligently. I've lost things and I've looked for them and I've looked for them hour upon hour until I have found them. I, I, I couldn't just give up until I found them. The things that were not close to me. I soon forgot about. Ask, seek, knock. We're to knock. You knock at someone's door. Why? Because you desire to enter in. This is not just a little tiny rap on the door. This is a loud resounding knock. This is knocking at heaven's door. We want to enter. We want the Lord to open as it were the door of mercy to us. And by prayer, what are we doing? We're knocking on the door of heaven. Lord, open the door. Thomas Manton, I read one quote of him and I just visualize it. He said, watch in prayer to see what cometh. Foolish boys that knock at a door in wantonness will not stay until someone cometh to open for them. But a man that hath business will knock and knock again till he gets the answer. 
Do you know up in the months, people come to the door at times and they give a little. Do you think I would hear that? There's no way I would hear that. Or maybe they ring the doorbell once. This has happened so many times. By the time I get up from the study, they're away out in the car. Not that I'm that slow, I have to add, but just they're that quick. They're the people whose business isn't really important. They're like, you know, the boys, and there are plenty of them running on along at Halloween time and in between times as well. They knock the door, they ring the doorbell, and they run away. They don't really want somebody to come and open the door. There are many Christians who pray like that. But then up at the months there are people who come round to the back door they don't get me at the front door. They mean business. There are even some people who knock the window because some people you just can't get away from. They're the ones that mean business. That's mean business. God has called us to mean business. Jesus talked about this door oftentimes in John nine and John ten and nine. He said, I am the door. Now a door is only two sides. It's not simple, boys and girls, it's only two sides, the inside and the outside. And we say to everyone today, spiritually speaking, you're on one side or the other side. We sing with the boys and girls so many times, one door and only one, and yet the sides are two. The inside and the outside, on which side are you? And I want to ask you today, on which side of salvation's door are you today? If you're on the outside, you're still lost. You're still without Jesus. You're still in your sin. You need to knock heaven's door. And how do you do that? Romans 10 and 13 just simply says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Just one call away from stepping inside the door. All of these are, are, are spiritual activities. The asking, the seeking, the knocking. And they all teach us how to pray down the blessing of God. And what really struck me when I looked at these words in the past week, they're all in the continuous tense. What does that teach us? Keep on asking. Don't give up, dear brother or sister, in the place of prayer. Keep on seeking. That lost one, keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Don't give up. That's what it is to pray through. If you want to know the secret of praying through, just keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. There's assurance given to us secondly in verse 8. And the assurances are perfectly matched with the actions. Everyone that asketh receiveth. I, I think that's so lovely to note. God doesn't lend things to us. Sometimes, you know, you go to someone's house and say, could I have? And they said, well, I'll lend it to you. You can bring it back later. God doesn't give things and then he says, you can bring it back later. It's a gift, a free gift of grace. It's not sold to us. We don't have to bring money to buy it of God. It's given to us. Ask and it shall be given you. Verse 8, everyone uh, that asketh receiveth. 
Now, some of you say, but Reverend Harris, I've been asking, but I haven't got it yet. The Bible gives us some answers here. Some people ask amiss. James 4 and 3 says, Ye ask and receive not. Oh, it's an awful thing to keep asking and receiving not. Why? Because ye ask amiss. Why? That ye may consume it upon your own lusts. Some people have not because they haven't been continually asking Seeking, knocking. You have to continually. It's the continuous tense. And we have to keep asking according to the good and perfect will of God. We read further on down in this text here that the Lord knows the good things that we need. The good things. Sometimes we ask for things when they're not good for us. So we have a good heavenly father what does he do? He doesn't give it to us. Your children come in and they said to you, can I have a chocolate biscuit before my dinner? Can I have a, a bar of chocolate before my dinner? Can I have a, a packet of sweets before my dinner? And the, uh, well, I think every mother, every father here today would say, no, it wouldn't be good for you. Well, we have a, a good God. He knows what's good for us. And sometimes we ask for things and God knows, no, that wouldn't be good for you. I can't give it to you. So what does God do instead? He shows us that we can do without it. Or he gives us other things instead of it. Or instead of changing the world in which we live in. You know what I have often found out? God changes me so that I can live in the world I live in. God knows best what's for us. He that seeketh findeth. All these, these promises, they match up the assurance. God is found of those who seek him. That's why I, I asked Andrew to play this morning Psalm 63. I, I love that psalm. It's, it's, it just reminds us of the blessing that God bestows upon those who seek him. The psalmist said, Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee. My, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Seeking. The seeking is not in vain. All those references in Isaiah. I love them. Isaiah 45, 19. What has God said? I said not. Note the negative. I said not unto the seed of Jacob. Seek ye me in vain. Nobody ever sought the Lord in vain, brethren and sisters. Nobody ever sought the Lord in vain. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. One commentator put it so beautifully in this. He wrote, it will be asked who is at the door. If you be able to say a friend and have the ticket of promise ready to produce it in the hand of faith. Doubt not of admission. If the door be not opened at first knock. Continue instant in prayer. It is an affront to a friend to knock at a door and then go away. And though he tarry yet, wait. Someone come to your door and yeah, you want to see them. And they just give that little tap or ring the doorbell once and then move on. And you go out to see them on their way. Maybe you see the car going out the driveway or them walking up the road. You're annoyed. You're annoyed because they've got away before you got to them. 
So brethren and sisters, what are we to do with to tarry? Though it wait, tarry for it. Well, what reassurance the Lord is giving us here today. He's teaching us how to pray through. You're knocking on that door. And it hasn't been opened. And God could open it. Today. Look at verse 11. There's an appeal made by Christ here or an argument used by Christ. Yes, we're beggars. But beggars persist. They don't give up because they know if they don't get it, they're going to die. I've watched beggars in many different places. But we're just spiritual beggars. But we can come confidently. We can come confidently because what's the difference between the beggar on the street and you and I? The beggar on the street is dependent on the stranger. We're coming to our father. That's what makes all the difference. And God's willingness to answer our prayers is, is used in this argument uh, that is, or this appeal that is used by Christ here. And, and the basic thing of it is, if you as parents in all of your fallen sinful estate, the word is even used, if ye then being evil, evil, doesn't mean to say you're an evil parent, but it just means to say in your sinful, depraved, fallen estate, if you know how to give good gifts unto your children, and we've got a congregation full of good parents, and good grandparents and boys and girls you should thank God for your parents and your grandparents today. You've been blessed with good things. Now Jesus says, if you know how to do all of that, do you not have a heavenly father? And he knows how to give good things to them that ask him. How much more so, Jesus said, will God, our heavenly father, give to us as his children the good things that we ask him. We, we were taught in the opening part of chapter 7. About God being our judge. Every one of us. It says in verse 2. We'll give an answer to him one day. We, we, we will stand before him in the judgment. But now he appears under a different image. He's a benevolent father. The judge becomes the benevolent father. And brethren and sisters. That's just the wonder of grace. God is the righteous judge. He acquits the guilty sinner upon the grounds of the righteousness of his dearly beloved son. And for the sake of Christ, and for the sake of the work of Christ, he gives that notice of adoption and he brings us into his family. We're not only justified, that wouldn't be enough because that would just leave us still on the outside but we're justified and then we're adopted and we're brought into his family and we're declared to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And he brings us in and he gives us his family name and we're named after him and we're part of his family. 
And we have the right and the privileges of all the sons of God. So when we come before God with those empty begging bowls, remember, you're not facing the stranger on the street. You're coming before your heavenly Father. And he loves, he loves to give good things to his children. In Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. If a child, for example, asks bread for sustenance from his father, Jesus argued, well, the father wouldn't give him a stone. Or if he asked a fish for, for protein and, uh, and for vitality and all that goes with it, uh, Jesus said he wouldn't give that child a serpent that would bite him and that would kill him. And so the argument goes with a heavenly father and he knows what's best for us and he knows what to give to us. And we bow before his infinite wisdom and grace. And he gives good things to them that ask. Heard the story this week of a missionary of many years ago whose missionary society was unable to get her monthly support to her. And the check didn't come through. And there were no banks, of course. She was dependent on traders, and traders wouldn't give her credit. And so there was no money to buy food. And all she had left was porridge oats. Porridge oats. And she cooked them one day. And she cooked them the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And for one month, she survived on porridge. Now, I love my porridge. But I just wouldn't like to eat a month of porridge and nothing else. But that's what that woman had to do. Sometime afterwards, a short time afterwards, she was able to return home on furlough. And she took a very bad uh, intestine infection. So bad, in fact, she had to be hospitalized. And when the tests were done, it was realized that she had a bug in her gut. And it had been in her gut for some time. And it had been working on her for some time. And the missionary told the, the doctor, said, well, I, I blame all of that porridge. A month of porridge, that must have been what caused it. And the, the, the doctor, he inquired the timing of it. And he smiled at her. He said, no, you've got it. All the wrong road around. That's what kept you alive. If you'd been eating your normal diet, you'd have died. Maybe, metaphorically, today, you're on the porridge. But that's what God has for you. For now. We can trust him. We can trust our heavenly father. Our father which is in heaven. He gives good things to them that ask him. Many people today talk about the cost of living crisis. 
the national calamities that have been fallen our world. And yes, we're all going to look at things a lot differently up ahead. But never forget, dear brother and sister, you have a heavenly father and he delights to give good things to them that ask him. Pray through. Pray through. And you'll find the promises of Matthew 7, 7 to 11. Each one of them true every day. May the Lord bless you and enable you to pray through and go